Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 57th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. Uh, if you're a new subscriber or listener, um, make sure you go back and listen to the other 56 episodes as well. Um, some great guests and great interviews as well. Um, yeah, listen to the whole catalog, please. We've got one of the best in the business, my former boss, Gabe Sinecropi, coming up on the Pulling Tart podcast this week. He's the vice president of marketing and public relations for the Williamsport Crosscutters, who are members of the newly formed MLB Draft League, and not to mention my hometown team. Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. Please help grow the podcast by sharing it on social media, telling your friends about it, and by leaving a rating or comment on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can also listen to the Pulling Tart podcast pretty much anywhere that you can get podcasts. If you leave a comment, you might just hear it on the show. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. That way you won't miss out on any news about the Pulling Tart podcast. Uh, when episodes come out, you can also subscribe. You'll get notifications, of course. Um, and uh, who my guests are going to be, and uh, you can have input on what questions I ask them and whatnot. Needless to say, can't wait to catch up with my old boss, Gabe Sinecropi, right after this break. Gabe, or shall I call you G-Money? I don't know if anybody else calls you that, but uh, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. It's about time um, that I finally sent that text um, and asked you, and you you said anytime. And so now's as good a time as any. You have plenty to talk about. Uh, let's start off with what did you do with all your free time last summer? I mean, that's got to be... Or super, you know, very rare for you to have free time during the summer. Yeah, I mean, it really is. But, you know, we talked about it all summer of how much it really sucked because we, you know, you always want a summer, except we couldn't do anything. Right. So, you know, we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't, you know, do fun stuff. Um, so. <laughs> It was, you know, it was a throwaway, just like everybody else's. I mean, what a wasted summer. We Not only could we not have baseball and our business thriving, but, you know, you, you have that, that summer away from it, and there's so many things you want to do. Yeah. And you couldn't do anything. So, you know, what did I do? I worked on, you know, the lawn like everybody else, and... <laughs> um, you know, did a lot of lounging around and 
you know, the, the, the exciting things were when you'd get in the car and, and go to Dairy Queen or an ice cream shop, you know, and get something sure. at the drive-thru. Those were big nights. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or you have a campfire or, you know, but, and all that's great. It's, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. But, you know, when, when that's all you can do, um, it kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah. Especially for a summer. So, um, and, and the funny thing about it was, you know, every week or, you know, even every other day, you'd think of something like, oh, man, you know, oh, you have all this free time. I'd love to do this. We should do this. And then you realize you, you can't do it. So, yeah. or the place isn't open. So it was like, you know, you can't get those thoughts out of your head of, of wanting to plan and do things. So, right. so the, the short answer, that's the long answer. The short answer you know, didn't do much of anything. I worked on my baseball card collection. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we were talking about that a little bit before we started recording um, and how the baseball card collecting is coming back. I don't know if it really ever went anywhere or maybe the presence of social media is just adding to it right now. Um, but, and you mentioned it on Norm's podcast, another former Crosscutter intern uh, way before me, I'll say that much. Um, but um, you mentioned on his podcast that that you plan on starting a, a card shop in Williamsport. Well, a friend of mine and and myself, we wanted we want to do that. We didn't decide to do it because of the boom that's happening, but mm-hmm. uh, we decided long before that, honestly. But we're waiting for the right time and the right place in downtown Williamsport. And yeah, we'd, we'd love to do that. So yeah, everybody, I worked on my collection and a lot of people did yeah. because they had time and, and a lot of people rediscovered, you know, their collection that was, you know, probably in the back of the closet or still at their parents' house or, you know, whatever, and uh, got back into it. And it certainly has created a, a boom that I don't think is, is really going to go away. Cards didn't go away. They, they had been rising and rising and rising. Uh, you know, since the, the bust of, of the late 90s. But, you know, now we're in an unprecedented time for, for card collecting. No doubt about that. Okay. That's awesome. Um, and, of course, the crosscutters are are in a new league and they're transitioning right now. Um, can you kind of tell the listeners about the transition that's going on from going from an affiliated team with the Phillies to the MLB Draft League and what that involves. I know a lot of people think that it's a college wood bat league team, um, but it's not really a college wood bat league, right? It's, it's um, you know, everybody's familiar with the Cape Cod League. There, mm-hmm. there are a lot of college summer wood bat leagues, but, you know, the one that's the most prominent and that's been around so long, the Cape Cod League, I kind of call the MLB Draft League, the Cape Cod League on steroids. Okay. Uh, not actually, of course, <laughs> but, but figuratively. Yeah. Uh, so it, it is a summer wood, wood bat league in, in many respects, but it is much more. Uh, no, we are not affiliated with, in our case, the, the Philadelphia Phillies anymore. We are now affiliated with all 30 MLB teams. Okay. Uh, this league is is run by Major League Baseball. Uh, this is something they've wanted to do for a number of years. Uh, 
this league, this year is going to be an anomaly in this league and for everybody. But but the way the league is, is set up is it's going to have the top draft eligible prospects from across the country okay. on these six teams. So you uh, melt down all the top prospects, put them into six teams. You've got virtual all-star teams. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. So uh, much different than, than what we had in the New York Penn League. Mm-hmm. Really, the potential for much higher-level baseball on the field. So uh, we're excited about it. So not affiliated with one team, affiliated with all 30. So these players are players that are draft-eligible this year. Okay. They will be drafted literally off our team to – uh, major league affiliates. Okay. They'll be part of that draft. The draft moved from early June to mid July during the MLB All Star break. Okay. So the draft will be taking place as part of the All Star weekend festivities. All right. Um, our league will start about six weeks, well, even a little more, uh, six or seven weeks before that. Okay. Uh, so these players will come in. It's the final push. For them to raise their draft stock every night in all six of these facilities, uh, well, really three per night uh, with six teams, three games going on. Every team, every major league team, will be in those stadiums scouting those prospects mm-hmm. every night. Yeah. So it's it's the final push. So it really is exciting. Slightly different. I tell people, number one, we're not affiliated with a team. We're affiliated with all 30. Mm -hmm. Number two, instead of getting players right after the draft, which is what we used to do in the New York Penn League and where the draft used to be, we now get players six or seven weeks before the draft. So... It, it's the same type of player minus the foreign players. You know, right. these are all going to be U.S., college, junior college, maybe a few high school studs okay, um, as well mixed in there. Uh, so, you know, virtual all-star teams, same type of player that, that half our team used to be, right? right? Half our team would be, you know, guys from the, from the current draft. And we get them right after the draft. Not again. You just get them six, seven, eight weeks before the draft. Okay. Uh, and you get more top prospects. Yeah, it sounds. When you have only six teams to, to split them up, um, but but it won't be exactly like that this year. And we understand that the league got started a little late. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys really get their um, you know notices of, of where they play and make their commitments in the fall, uh, maybe the very early winter. So we started after that. So uh, this year will be a a little bit clunky. Sure. Uh, But in in future years and with COVID and everything else, but I think year two, year three, you're really going to see this uh, coalesce into what MLB wants it to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's the strong arm of MLB behind it. This is an important thing for them. Yeah, uh, we've been getting lots of play on the MLB network. Uh, more to come as we 
as we lead up to the season. So really, this league is right in the whole pipeline of of what Major League Baseball is is looking to do in the future. Okay, I I I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, with the Phillies or with with any affiliate, really, especially at the short season level, you're probably lucky to see two, three guys make it to the bigs on one team, whereas. You're going to have more talent now. I, th- I think that the um, the level of play is going to be better. And and let's face it, I mean, like, yes, in Williamsport, most people are probably Phillies fans, but there are the Pirates fans. There's Yankees fans everywhere. There's Dodgers fans everywhere. There's, you know, Mets fans everywhere. Um, not as much as, you know, Yankees or Dodgers, but um, so you're going to be able to to see top talent get drafted to your teams in that league, exactly. which is which is going to be awesome. And um, the fact that now, granted, it's not quote-unquote professional, but, I mean, those guys are going to be professionals in some right. capacity. So yeah. the fact Very that... Soon. Yes, exactly. So the fact that the city of Williamsport can keep high-level baseball that's affiliated with... MLB um, is awesome because, I mean, you and I both know that the baseball history in Williamsport is is rich, and the fact that that's going to continue to live on is amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's really, you know, with everything that happened in, in the minor leagues, you know, over the last year and the things that Major League Baseball wanted to change and, and all that stuff, this was by far, you know, the, the, the best outcome for high-level baseball in Williams. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that we could have hoped for um, under the new system. Yeah. Um, how well would we survive under what is the new system in minor league baseball? It's questionable. Mm-hmm. We would have had to do a number of additions and renovations to the ballpark yeah. millions and millions and millions of dollars sure which you know the city does not have it's a city-owned facility mm-hmm. um, would be very difficult to make those things happen uh, for what is needed now in minor league baseball the new facility standards right it would have broken the back of of the city and and our franchise quite frankly mm-hmm. so to, to still be in it, to still be affiliated even deeper with Major League Baseball is an incredibly positive thing. Yeah. Um, so you've been in baseball since, what, you've been in it, what, 28 years? Uh, keep, go- keep going. Yeah, that's just in Williamsport. So, okay. Uh, you know, in Geneva, New York before that, so since the mid-80s. Okay. And you were in radio before that, and clearly radio yep. has um, has certainly changed in that time. What did you, yeah. if if the crosscutters did not exist, which we are both thankful that they do um, still, um, what did you think was the next move for you? If, if we ceased to exist during this, yeah, what was going on with minor league baseball? Right. If they went away, what, what was yeah. the next move? That's a great question, Bobby. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, 
you know, our company owns other teams. Yep. Um, you know, there, there certainly were, would be opportunities, uh, with those other teams. And, and in fact, we're growing, um, you know, there, there could be some announcements coming down the pike soon with, with some other, uh, with at least one other team that, that okay. we'll be part of. So, um, you know, those were possibilities. Those were certainly possibilities. Mm-hmm. We, we really felt that in one way, shape, or form, something good was going to happen for Williamsport. Yeah. I mean, look, Major League Baseball said that any teams that, that got cut out of uh, affiliated baseball were going to be offered something. Okay. You know, they were going to be offered something. It wasn't just going to be, hey, you 40 teams, thanks for everything, goodbye. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for the New York Penn League, every team in the league was offered the opportunity to be in the MLB Draft League. Okay. Okay, so, but some had other plans. Some ceased to exist mm-hmm. of their own volition. Yeah. Um, some decided to, to cease and sue Major League Baseball. Yeah. Um, some went to independent leagues, etc. So, right. you know, Williamsport, Mahoney Valley, State College. Who am I forgetting? <laughs> it's 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 all new. Um, West Virginia. Okay. So the four of us elected to to go with the draft league. Okay. Look, yep. we have a relationship with Major League Baseball through the MLB Little League Classic. Right. Uh, so, you know, we we have close ties with MLB we and our our owner was hired by major league baseball to help with the transition of of the minor leagues overall into under the major league umbrella okay uh, so we have we have close ties so the when the draft league concept started to to take shape we were all in mm-hmm. um and and so were the other three teams uh, that elected to do it in our league. And, and then we also added uh, the Frederick Keys right. and the Trenton Thunder. Mm-hmm. So uh, six teams might expand in the future. I'm not sure. Yeah. From my standpoint, let's leave it six. The more the more teams we have, the more diluted our talent's going to be. Right, right? exactly. Yep. So, uh, you know, we'll see how this goes with six teams. Um, but... I'm I'm okay with that. Okay, just right now. So awesome. Uh, so it really is going to be exciting, and it's a great landing spot for the cross cutters and for for baseball and Williamsport. Yeah, and I can't wait to to go back home. I I've mentioned it many a times on this podcast, but uh, Williamsport is my hometown, um, and I grew up going to cross cutters games. Uh, really, ever since they they came to Williamsport. Um, and I, yeah, I live, my, my dad lives, when I was interning at the Crosscutters, if I caught the green light right there on the corner of Cemetery Road and High Street, I would, uh, I could get to the ballpark in two minutes. I could leave my house at, um, 8.58 to be to work by nine o'clock. So, um, that's how, yeah, that, that's how close I was. And so I can't wait to go back home and, uh, 
see a see a game in this new MLB draft league. It's it's going to be cool. We're really looking forward to it. Um, you know, this year is this year. Yep. Uh, who knows how everything's going to go with COVID protocols and restrictions and limited capacity and and all of that. But we'll get through it. And and you know, next year is going to be uh, even better. We have strong teams and operators in this league, and uh, MLB is wholeheartedly invested in the success of, of this league. So oh, I'm sure. So it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so we talked about it a little bit earlier. You've been with the team at least since 1993. Um, before right. before that, even. Um, they, that's when they moved to Williamsport was 1993. And I knew that you, you were worked in some capacity in Geneva when they were in New York. Um, so what made you want to move with the team from Geneva, New York in 93, uh, which is near where you and your family are from, to Williamsport, Pennsylvania? Well, you know, I was, I was at a, the year before that, I was like in, in early 93, we moved at the end of 93, you know, 1993, I was kind of at a career crossroads. Um, I loved radio. Uh, I, I got introduced to, to professional baseball. I mean, I, I grew up just like you grew up going to Bowman Field. Mm-hmm. I grew up going to McDonough Park in Geneva a couple times a year. You know, Geneva was the big city, 16,000 okay. people, the big city. I'm from Seneca Falls, New yeah. York, <laughs> uh, with like 7,000. So, you know, you'd go to Geneva a few times a summer with your dad or your friend's dad and go to a Geneva Cubs game. Yep. So I grew up with that and reading about them in the paper every day. And then I was in radio in Geneva um, as a program director and morning show host eventually at, at uh, a pair of radio stations there. And, and I loved radio. That's what I was always going to do. I mean, that's what I went to school for. Uh, I started in radio when I was in high school, working for our station in Seneca Falls, doing, uh, you know, just whatever, <laughs> um, you know, the bowling report uh, every, every like three times a week that I would call in in the mornings and, and uh, helped on the football and basketball broadcasts of high school games for my high school. And so, you know, that was my first love. But at a certain point in radio, after a number of years, I said, you know, when this job ends, I'm, I'm going to do something else. Mm-hmm. That was my mindset at that time. And um, so, you know, I did something else for a little while. Didn't really like it. I was an assistant executive director of, of the YMCA in Geneva. Um, wasn't really for me for the most part. Uh, but while I was in radio, I was asked to be the public address announcer for the, for the Geneva Cubs Okay, back in like 1985. And so that kind of introduced me to, to sports, you know, professional sports and working in it. And I would hang out at the ballpark all the time. The general managers were my friends and, you know, we hung out 24-7 and then at a certain point, you know, in 93, I was available and there was a job available. And uh, I, I started full time in 93 and, okay. and knowing that we were going to move. OK. 
93. I knew that. Um, I knew that our stadium needed uh, renovations, that Geneva couldn't do it. It was a foregone conclusion we were going to move. So I was all in and knew I was going to move, finally move away from home. Um, and uh, Williamsport was the place. And so we packed our bags and came to Williamsport. And, and the rest is history, both me and Doug. Yeah. I guess. So we, we've been together full time since 1993. Um, a long time, longer than most marriages last. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's, it's been a fun and interesting ride. So yeah. Why'd I do it for a job, I guess. But, so why is Williamsport like, so I moved around in my baseball career after working for you. I, you know, I went to Beloit, I went to Delmarva, um, and you know could have gone more places probably um so most people in this industry travel around a little bit um what made williamsport the place to to settle down and and stay you've been there for 27 years yeah um you know i get asked that a lot and and by a lot of people in baseball over the years Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know williamsport's one of the smaller markets uh in in well, what was professional baseball and mm-hmm. high-level baseball, but uh, I got lucky. I, I honestly got lucky. Um, I have certainly had, like everybody would, have had other opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you added everything up, um, it, it wasn't you know it wasn't better overall. Okay. Life. Yeah. So you know, Williamsport's a great place. I love it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm very invested in the community here and, and was early on. So it was going to really take something special to uh, make me go somewhere else. Sure. And uh, it doesn't mean I didn't look, um, that I didn't have lots of talks with people. Right. But, you know, I, I wasn't. I was never like really egotistical in the fact that, well, I've got to move up to double A and triple A and I really want to, you know, do that. Look, we had great ownership all the time. We were always well taken care of Mm -hmm. in our small market. So uh, there were just many advantages to, to where I was and what I did. And, um, you know, some people saw that as, as, you know, maybe a negative and, you know, being here so long, but, uh, I have one of the best jobs in baseball. Right. And, and I have, I have for a long time and, and knock on wood. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm still fooling them. So, uh, <laughs> very lucky, very, very lucky. And, and our ownership group now, Trinity sports and Peter Freund, uh, awesome, awesome stuff. And, and so I'm glad I stuck around. To, sure. to experience that and uh you know i'm just i'm blessed and very lucky yeah yeah i'm you know i'm i'm in a good spot now um you know i'm married now and all that um but there was a part of me that wished that williamsport would have had an opening for me full time um but Likewise. and you know we we had we had discussions about it but it just didn't work out um, for, for one reason or the other, but, um, always, always gonna call Williamsport home. Uh, the cross cutters always going to be my hometown team. So, um, 
How is my friend, RWB, Rashawn Westbay, how is he doing? I have his calendar at my desk at work. <laughs> how do you like it? That's pretty cool, isn't it? I, I love it because, and and this is contagious, and, and it's Rashawn's doing. When I'm having a bad day, I look at the calendar. Makes you smile, and. Right? You know, most of the time it's like, okay, it's Thursday. I got to get through one and a half more days of this, you know? Um, But then the top part is Rashawn's smiling face. And that smile is contagious. It will always put you in a good mood. Um, And then I also have his bobbleheads at work. I've got my bobblehead collection, which is um, growing all the time. Um, But I have his bobbleheads at work. and one of them even talks to me, so it's just like having him there. Yeah, so Rashawn West Bay is, uh, you know, a larger-than-life, uh, literally and figuratively, mm-hmm. uh, uh, special needs uh, adult now. And he joined us when he was 20. Okay. And now he's 38. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a while, mm-hmm. 18 years, if my math is correct. And... Uh, he is, uh, he, we dubbed him the director of smiles because he makes everybody laugh and smile. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rashawn is with us 12 months a year. Uh, he's always there. This has been a tough year for him. It's, it it yeah. took him a while to understand what the heck's going on and why he can't go to work every day. But, um, you know, we, we love Rashawn. We're not the only ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as you know, Bobby, be, being from the area, you know, Rashawn is like the mayor of this area. So uh, mm-hmm. everybody knows Rashawn. Everybody. I mean, he is just everybody. If you go anywhere with him, take him out to lunch or whatever, I mean, he'll walk in and suddenly he's got to make the rounds of the restaurant because yep. everybody wants to talk to him. Everybody wants to see him. Mm-hmm. We can only describe it, but you have to be around him to, to really get it. Most popular guy in the ballpark. Um, you know, we, we kind of hooked up just by happenstance, but you know, when we were around him just a few times, we're like, this guy needs to be around all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we made it happen. And, uh, you know, before us, there was another place that did the same, you know, at, at the pool, you know, the lifeguards, they all loved him. I mean, you know, again, we always think we're the ones, but you know, he's got these pockets of, of, friends and, and, and individuals and families and everything that, that helps him. And, and just, he lives the life, man. That guy is living large. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but, but he deserves it. He's the best. Uh, you know, look him up on our website at crosscutters.com. Uh, the director of smiles, Rashawn West Bay, lots of articles have been written about him locally, regionally, nationally. Um, and yeah, we do a bobblehead of him every year. Yeah, he's a a pleasure to work with. Um, always makes your day better by working with him. Um, and my dad, who owns a business in Williamsport, um, he'll he'll text me and he'll he'll say, "I just saw Rashawn," and <laughs> and he's like he's like I beeped at him for you, and I always say thank you. Um, and I know when I was in Beloit, I got I got Rashawn a snapper's hat, um, and so Rashawn 
man, just I think everybody needs a Rashawn in their office. Everybody quite, does quite need quite a Rashawn in their life. There's no doubt about it. He he brings us, uh, you know, great joy uh, every every day. And and you know, I've gone through withdrawal in the last now year um, because we haven't seen him as much. Mm-hmm. Um, just in the office once in a while uh, for for him. And, you know, he was certainly a high-risk individual. Right. Uh, so, you know, try to protect him, you know, as much as possible. And for a long time, much of our staff was on furlough as well. Sure. Um, so, you know, haven't seen him as much. Starting, uh, coming up on Monday, he'll be back in the office full-time. Uh, we'll have everybody in the office working full-time instead of uh, remotely. So... Um, it'll be great to, to see him again yeah. day in and day out, albeit with a mask on. All right, fantastic. Um, so you have made a name for yourself in the baseball industry for, for lots of reasons, um, but one of the reasons is because um, you just have a nose and a mind for uh, promotions, um, and, you know, you've presented at the, um, what do they call that now? The Innovator Summit. The Innovator Summit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I was lucky to be a part of some great promotions the, the one year that I worked with you, but what has been your absolute best promotion that you've come up with? You know, you give me way too much credit, Bobby, because most of the stuff, you know, I'm, I'm a great stealer and adapter. Um, you know, I'm always looking, always was. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we all share in this business, as you know. Sure. You know, we're not in competition with each other. We're all in separate markets. Mm-hmm. So that's one great thing about our business is we share everything that we do. Every success we have, you know, we, we can talk about it at what used to be the Innovator Summit and Promo Seminar and present to everybody else and and then we all steal it and adapt it to our markets and, and use it and look I, I don't know you know naming Rashawn the director of smiles is one of the greatest things I ever came up with to be honest <laughs> yeah him, right? so uh, because well that's another long story but I mean he just started showing up every day he gave himself a job right. we had to come up with a title for him yeah. so uh, you know, he was calling himself the office manager and sitting at the reception desk. And I said, now we got to come up with something else. And, and it was like, you're the director of smiles. And, and that is, you know, 18 years later is mm-hmm. history. But um, some things that, that I'm proud of, I guess, um, are small things. Um, things like, and, and I didn't invent it totally, but the belly buster eating contest. Yes. Um, you know, I take great pride in that and how we craft it and what we do with it. And, um, you know, what happens during that contest. It's, it's simply an eating contest where fans have, you know, a full inning top and bottom of the inning, all six outs and in between innings to eat whatever we give them. And advance to the next round, and advance and advance and advance till there's just two people left, and and then one who who uh, wins now a, a real cool like like a WWE championship belt, Ooh. like it's it's a real deal. There we go. Right, 
we spent hundreds of dollars on this <laughs> on this belt, and uh, so the winner gets that in a recliner and uh, you know a bunch of stuff. But you know, putting that together, it's real silly and dumb. But but you know, there's there's a there's an art to putting it together because you start with ten people, and you want it to last. So you you know you have to try and figure out. But you also want to eliminate a few people mm-hmm. as you go. Yeah, you don't want to be left with too many when it's when you're to the last round, which right. is the end of the game, and and you don't want it to end after two innings. So there is an art to 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 what you give them and when. <laughs> so, um, so it's it's fun. I'm, I'm proud of that. It's been like I don't know twenty some years of of doing it. Um, I, I really like another simple, stupid idea that during the pandemic of, of you know, we're always trying to come up with what video things can we do on social media. And, you know, there's no games, there's nothing going on, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, I'm a big collector of not only baseball cards, but pop culture stuff of, of toys and games and thought what about reviewing uh you know a, a baseball games yeah you know tabletop board games stuff like that and and so we came up with Gabe's game vault so you know I go down I literally own like a thousand games okay it's not just a number I picked out I mean I do my basement is full of of games and uh obviously I collect sports ones too so mm-hmm. I uh, have a ton of different baseball-type games, probably upwards of 40 or 50 different baseball games. Wow. So I started doing reviews of those, you know, vintage baseball board game and, uh, you know, showing it and when it was made and, and who made it and uh, a quick thing about the rules and then and then to rate it, you know, in different categories. Okay. And, and how you can find it if you wanted to buy it, et cetera, and, how much it's worth. So, you know, I'm really, I'm proud of that dumb, stupid thing. I got a lot of reaction online and, and, uh, and we're still doing them. Yeah. Now, it was once a week during, during a lot of the pandemic. And then, uh, and now it's once a month, but you know, there's so many things that I forget. I wish I kept a journal Yeah. of, of, you know, my career in baseball you know, there's so many stories that I forget that people like you, you know, that former interns could remember, you know, you were there one year. You remember those funny or fun or interesting things that happened. Yeah. And, you know, for me, the years just meld together. There's 28 in Williamsport. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can't even tell you offhand the, the year that that you were entered, that you entered. Yeah, right. What year was it? Uh, 2012. 12, okay. Uh, so, you know, I wish I wrote stuff down. Yeah. I really do. Because there's, for every one thing I remember, there's 10 or 20 great things that I totally forget. Yeah, so, I get that. Wow. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's lots of other promotions I'm sure that I'm, I'm proud of. A few that maybe I even came up with. And I'm going to say only a few, yeah, uh, because I, I love to you know I love to steal and adapt things uh, things that I think we can pull off 
with a limited staff and limited budget mm-hmm. and that will uh that will resonate with people and that we can have fun with yeah i know um and and this is done everywhere, but nobody had thought to do it in Beloit before. I stole the dirtiest car in the parking lot from you. Um, That's an oldie. Yeah, uh, and, and you. I ne- certainly didn't invent that. No, nineteen forty invented that. So I remember that promotion more so than than a lot of the other ones because I remember my family and I had gone to a Cutters game and. <laughs> My my dad had kept on telling my mom like, you need to take this this car through the car wash, you know, and she just you know never did it. And we were at this game, and it had to be a pack the park night or something like that. I I remember it was really busy, and they did the um, dirtiest car in the parking lot, and sure enough, it was my mom's van, and my dad was furious. He he had steam coming out of his ears um, because it was embarrassing to him. But also, I was like, "Hey, we want a free car wash," you know. That's right. We didn't say your name. It wasn't the Coon family, uh, you know, with a dirty car. It was just a license plate. Right, right. Um, and so you've been in the community for twenty eight, twenty seven years. What does it mean to you to be so involved in the Williamsport community? Uh, a lot. I mean, it, and it goes both ways. I mean, I, I hope that I've helped the organizations that that I'm with and, and that that I have been with over the 28 years uh, because I know that those associations have also helped me, mm-hmm. you know, not only personally but professionally. Um you know, when you come to a new city, that's one great way to meet people, mm-hmm. especially in businesses, is to get involved with, with you know, some nonprofits and, and, you know, with the Chamber of Commerce and, and with other places like that. That, you know, it, it helps you get into lots of different groups of people. Um, and it, it was, it's, it's a lot easier when you work for the baseball team. Sure. I mean, it really is. Yep. Um, you know, uh, I'm not going to say that that you know, oh, oh you know, I'm, I'm involved with all these things, and you know, and I did it all of my own gumption and, and ambition. You know, a lot of stuff comes to you when you're when you're in a position like this, mm-hmm. and um, and sometimes you have to pick and choose because so much comes your way, and and but. You know, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and and it's it's paid dividends. Like I said, just just personally uh, for personal growth um, and and professionally, it certainly helps us. It, it keeps uh, you know it keeps people thinking about the cross cutters. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if they see me doing these these things, um, so it's it's been uh, it's been great. I, I really enjoy. Uh, volunteering and, and doing board work, um, etc. Um, so it's it's really been fulfilling to say the least. Yeah, and I'm sure the community appreciates your hard work as well. Um, whenever you know people ask me where I'm from, um, or you know I give my my cell phone number to somebody, um, and they see the five seven zero before my number, 
they always they always ask me where I'm from, and I say Williamsport, Pennsylvania, and they say, oh, home of the Little League World Series. You know, that's yep. our that's our claim to fame. And yep. ever since, I think ever since you've come to Williamsport, you've been the PA, you've been one of the PA announcers for the Little League World Series. Um, so just kind of tell us what that's like, and um, you know. I guess just how awesome it is. It is one of the, you know, certainly one of the highlights of my life mm-hmm. is, to, is to be part of the Little League World Series and be the PA announcer. Um, it, it was a few, I had been here a few years before I uh, did that. I think uh, 1998 or 99 was my first year. Uh, but, you know, in my first summer that I was here, summer 94, obviously I, I went to the World Series. Mm-hmm. I lived, you know, in South Williamsport just, I mean, I could walk to it. Yeah. I, was, I wasn't I was far away from, you know, I was probably like six blocks from yeah. the stadium when I when I moved here. So, you know, went over there and, and just took it all in and you know, always watched it, just like everybody says, right? I always watch it on TV, and and you know, and I heard the PA announcer, and I was like, I need to do that. You know, yeah, I need to be a, a PA announcer here, and um, I, I so I, I asked, I talked to them, uh, talked to. Uh, I think I talked to Steve Keener first, who's now who now runs Little League, mm-hmm. he's the president, CEO, and and um, I said, you know, I'd love to do that. I've I've got experience uh, in doing it, and I used to be in radio for ten years, and um, you know, and, and at that time, you know, was again, I was I was just in town for a couple of years, so not everybody knew me at that point, and and knew that I did that stuff, you know, for the most part they do now, but not then. Mm -hmm. And so there, at that time, they didn't really change a lot in a little league at that time. And, and quite frankly, there, there was an announcer. Um, I don't recall his name, but he had been there for a long, long time. Right. Passed away And, and they needed somebody. And I got the call and then like, after my first year, I was asked to do the championship game, the final, nice. uh, which was, you know, the, the ultimate. And I've been doing it almost every year since then, um, unless uh, some, you know, reason that I couldn't do it mm-hmm. uh, because of Cutter's games and stuff like sure. that. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's awesome. It is really, really awesome to be, to be part of that. That's uh thrill of a lifetime the, yeah. the, the people you meet you know all the abc and espn people um you know i could run down a list uh that's that's pretty long um because you get to know them because they're here for two weeks yeah you know they're not just in to do an event and and leave the next day yeah it's a real coveted gig for you know uh, uh production people and cameramen and everybody announcers to get to do the little league world series. Number Mm -hmm. one, because it's a cool event. Sure. Number two, because there are 
other than the Olympics, there's very few other events where they go somewhere and they stay there. Right. They don't have to just keep moving and unpacking, then packing and leaving and doing it again somewhere else. I mean, they live here for two weeks. They yes. love Williamsport. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they go to the restaurants, they go play golf, they, they do all these things, and they just love the atmosphere. So uh, it's, it's a coveted gig to be on that. Usually when they get in, they never give it up. They're, you know, the same camera people have been coming back for 20 years. Yeah. Because it's, because it's a cool thing to do. Yeah. It's fun. So, um, again, really blessed to be able to do that. In my baseball career, I think probably one of the um, tasks that I loved the most was doing the PA announcing when I was in Beloit. Um, just because, number one, I was good at it. Number two, I got to watch the game, you know. Um, not most, most people that work in baseball don't get to watch the game. Um, right. so, uh, if they ever need somebody and you're, you're unable to make it, just throw my, throw my hat in the ring. All right. Coon dogs, my backup. All right. I like it. Um, so you've been in baseball, seems like forever. Um, but you've, you know, had great marketing ideas, you know, ever since you started, so I just want to know how social media has changed marketing in sports and in baseball. Um, like, what was it like before social media? And, uh, and yeah. yeah, I mean. The dark ages. Uh, things were easier. I'll, okay. I'll tell you that. You know, I mean, uh, it's turned it upside down. I mean, it's, it's a whole nother animal. Um, you know, this stuff hasn't existed forever for you people who are, you know, 15 or 18 years old. Right. And, you know, there, there was a world without social media. There was a world without the Internet. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we didn't, we didn't even have the Internet when we started, when I started. Yeah, that's um, crazy. You know, fax machines were like space age. That mm-hmm. was a space age thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, and it was all dot matrix printers you know again that was and that was top of the line so Mm -hmm. uh social media has turned it upside down i mean now you've got to have somebody totally dedicated to to doing that Mm -hmm. you know if if you're going to do it well and do it right and uh it's i think it's given fans uh a peek behind the curtain yeah right so you know teams and organizations post lots of things and, and this isn't just germane to sports it's Everything. all over yeah. right? I mean you get to peek behind the curtain of, of that business or that entertainer or that whatever and you know you're seeing things that you would have never seen or heard before mm-hmm. um, so it's it's just I mean created so many different avenues um that, that then we, of course, want to exploit with sponsorships as well. Um, yeah, of course. Right? So, of course, of course. Um, my, my joke was always that, you know, the only thing we don't sponsor is, is when I go to the bathroom. So, uh, you know, my bathroom breaks during the game. But but other than that, if it's not sponsored, we don't do it. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, it's changed the whole landscape, obviously, of, of, of everything, not only sports, but life, life in general. Sure. It's, it's uh, an amazing thing. And, and to think back, you know, I joke with people, you know, cell phones even, right? We didn't have that, mm-hmm. you know, checking the weather, you know, now we check the weather constantly, uh, you know, when you're in sports and outside sports mm-hmm. thing, you're, you know, radar, radar, radar. That's all we do is look at the radar. I mean, we didn't have that before. You used to have to, like, literally, you'd, you'd call the airport and ask them what the forecast was. Wow. Um, you know, besides watching TV and, and, and hearing, you know, the snippet that they say on the radio. And, you know, I mean, you just didn't have access to all these things. Yeah. Um, so, literally, yeah, you did. I mean, you would call the airport uh, for forecasts. Um, you, you would wow. do all this stuff and, and, uh, it, it's, it's funny to think about. I mean, yeah. it really is. And now most teams are employing at least one person to do just social media. Right. So right. yeah, it's a crazy concept. I'm sure. Um, you know, I grew up with it, but to a, to a certain extent, you know, but, um, yeah, yeah just I mean, crazy. we used to have to carry around, you know, a ton of equipment and buy a ton of equipment to just do everything that this does. Yeah. Your phone. Um, you know, we got the radar. It's a video camera. Mm-hmm. It's a camera. It's, it's everything. And, and it's got every piece of knowledge you ever need. You can find in there for yep. the most part. So, yeah. um, you know, those were all things where you carried around a big bag of, of, you know, video equipment and, you know, and then you had to do this and that to get it. And, and mm-hmm. God forbid you couldn't put it on a computer and, you know, digitally edit stuff. And, and I mean, I joke with people about my radio days. Hey, guess what? You know, we could teach somebody to edit sound now, right? I mean, you did yeah. it uh, all the time. We could teach somebody how to do that in five minutes, mm-hmm. right? And, Literally, back in my radio days, we used to use a razor blade and cut tape and then tape it to get back together <laughs> to edit out a piece that you wanted edited out. Wow. Um, that's how things were edited back then, Bob, yeah. believe it or not. I know. By hand. You know, audio was by hand. Video was a little different, but but audio was was by hand. Cutting the tape, listening and finding that spot marking it with a grease pencil and cutting it on the diagonal with a razor blade. Wow. And, and uh, so it, it was, you know, we've come so far. I'm aging myself in a big way. <laughs> so when I was in Beloit, I, you know, interviewed game day staff members, a lot of the a lot of the press box and stuff like that, other, other positions as well. But I interviewed an older gentleman, um, and he wanted to be an official scorer, and he said, "I I used to do it back in you know the late '80s," and I said, "Okay, um, so you've got experience. That's great." And um, so you know he he keeps um, you know his his sheet, his scoring sheet. Um, he goes into the coaches' offices, and you know it was cl- it was pretty clean game, so no changes. Um, and he comes into my office and he says, "Well." what do you want me to do with this, with my score sheet? 
And I, and I said, well, just hang on to it for like a day and, um, you know, I'll let you know if I, if I have any questions. But other than that, you can, you can throw it away after tomorrow. And he's like, I know where this is going. Re-, he said, really? And I said, yeah, what did you, what did you think I was going to say? And he, and he said, um, before I used to have to mail my score sheets into the <laughs> league office. I used to have to put them in an envelope and address them to the league office. Uh, yeah i i thought that was a wild concept it kind of blew my (laughs) mind honestly but wow So we talked about it a little bit before, um, and historic Bowman Field is home to the Little League Classic. Um, what's it like hosting that game and having that relationship with MLB? Um, you know, his, historic Bowman Field only holds, I think, less than than what I remember. It's what is it about seventeen hundred? Twenty five hundred. Twenty five hundred. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're- we were 4,200 when you were there. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, uh, 4,200 uncomfortably, but sure. uh, 2,500 now, yeah. Okay, so 2,500, a, a stadium that seats 2,500 people before the pandemic um, is hosting a major league baseball game in a very small town, um, baseball rich, of course, but um, just kind of tell us about that experience and, and hosting the Little League Classic. Well, you ask, you know, what's it like? And, and I'll give you one word uh, to answer that question. Surreal. I mean, it's surreal. Yeah. It, it's, it is one of the coolest things I've, I've ever been involved in. And, uh, you know, um, not only is it a major league game, but it's, it's a regular season major league game. Mm-hmm. It counts. That's the first regular season major league game that was played 2017 was the first one that was the first regular season major league game played in a minor league stadium in like 80 years wow if people you know just think oh it must have happened it didn't yeah it didn't happen you know exhibition games you know sure. special event games that didn't count mm-hmm. were played in minor league stadiums not a regular season, major league game that counts. The real deal in a minor league stadium. Not only that, it's the smallest stadium ever to have a major league game, regular season major league game played in. Wow. So um, it's it's uh, his, historical. It's history-making. Uh, I say that on that Sunday... The game, why is it there? It's not there because, you know, the cross cutters are great and and uh, historic bowling field is cool. It's not why it's here. Mm-hmm. It, it's here because of the Little League World Series. Sure. This was a game, a concept that, that was uh, developed by Little League and Major League Baseball to help grow the game, to help promote 
the youth baseball and softball and get kids interested Mm -hmm. in playing baseball. So what better to help promote that than have a game in Williamsport during the Little League World Series? Mm -hmm. How cool. So on the first Sunday of the World Series, that game is played in our stadium. That's the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball game of the week. Um, I, I, I say that Williamsport on that Sunday is the center of the baseball universe. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We've got Little League World Series games going on until like 2 o'clock. Um, so there's a few, a few games over there. And, and then we have at 7 o'clock the MLB Little League Classic. And with the stadium, like, half full with participants, players, coaches, families who are part of the Little League World Series. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, filled in with other dignitaries, etc. Incredible. Just incredible. And, And, you know... There were questions of was it going to work? Would the players' association buy into this? Because look, baseball is—it's um, a long season. Yeah, they have their rituals. Okay, it's mm-hmm. 162 games. Mm-hmm. Players are used to certain things a certain way in a certain place. Sure, and. If, if we were doing those same things over and over and over again, when you upset the, the order, <laughs> the natural order of what we do, you know, it's like, I'm not interested, right? Right. So, you know, in, in the beginning, before that first game, I think there were a lot of players that weren't interested. Okay. Until they got to Williamsport. Yeah. It all changed. Mm-hmm. Because the first thing they do is they get off the plane and right onto a bus and they're taken over to the World Series to enjoy that spectacle, to hobnob with the kids, yep. and to have fun. And I think those, those two teams in the first year, Pittsburgh Pirates and the St. Louis Cardinals, mm-hmm. they got over there and... All bets were off. Yeah. Right? They became kids again. Yep. I remember and, seeing Josh Harrison interview kids on TV. Yeah. That was everybody, awesome. everybody started to instantly get into it. I mean, there were players that were saying negative things in the weeks prior. You know, because they're saying, you know, you're going to be coming to Williamsport, playing this, this new game. What are your feelings? Well, you know, yeah, we got to do it. Blah, blah. You know, they were all about it. And now, and so word spread. Yeah. And, and now teams want to do it. And the players want to do it. Mm-hmm. In 2019, uh, the last time it was played, it was obviously postponed last year. Uh, the the Cubs and who the Cubs play? <laughs> See, everything runs together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cubs and the Pirates. Yeah. Pirates were back. Cubs and the Pirates. I mean, you got to watch that game. You, you see things that you will never see. Yep. So I, I think it was Anthony Rizzo. He's in the on-deck circle of a major league regular season game. He is then back to the screen 
with the kids taking selfies. Yeah. That he's on deck. Yep. He's got to face whatever major league pitcher was was pitching at the time. Mm-hmm. He's taking selfies with <laughs> the kids. Um, the year before was the Mets and the Phillies. Yep. I'm I'm walking through the stadium and. Uh, I see this crowd walking, walking down, walking through the walkway, and I'm like, "What's what's going on here?" And and inside that crowd, I see the Mets starting staff: Syndergaard, Mats, Degrom, walking into the crowd to sit behind the plate with the kids for a while. This is the middle of the game. Yeah. Wow. Uh, incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. So, you know, the players want to do it. It's a surreal experience. They're there for four weeks, the the, the crew. Yeah. Uh, you know, players are in and out, obviously. But, sure. but the, the, the crew setting up the stadium, it's a four-week project. Three weeks before the game, and we have the game, and a week tear down after the game. Wow. They need to build out our little facility that doesn't have a lot of amenities they need to provide all the things that Major League Baseball players have. Sure, yeah. Um, the Makes lounges, sense. the 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 bigger training areas. Uh, you know, we have one batting cage. They build batting cages mm-hmm. for each team. These are all quote indoor, just the big tents that are kind of like semi permanent tents. They have floors and. You know, wooden floors and carpeting and that, all this stuff. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, millions of dollars. I mean, the budget is, uh, you know, I don't work for Major League Baseball, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's just a lot. Like $10 million for yeah. this game. Um, so it's incredible what they build. The whole, our whole land around the stadium is now all part of the stadium. So, you know, really way outside the stadium, there's, there's, temporary fencing put up that's, sure that's where people enter you know way far away from where our real gate is okay you, you know and there's no driving to the stadium because there's no parking because there's all these temporary buildings and things up for this for they put some extra seats in uh down the lines yeah because they yeah. kill a lot of seats with things they have to do like for press i mean you know our press box is very small. We've yeah. just expanded it. Okay. It's still not big enough for, for the press for two major league teams sure. plus local press to cover this game. So they take a whole section of seats and, and that's a press section and they build desks and they you know and monitors and everything in there. And and so to make up for, for what they kill with the things they have to build, um, they they add some bleachers down the line so that, so that we can still be at around that, that 2,500 mark for the game. But okay. it's, it's surreal. J-Lo was there at the, at the yeah. 2019 game yep. um, to, to be with her man, A-Rod broadcasting the game. Yeah. Um, that was a, an experience, <laughs> let's say. I'm so, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, yeah, you, you learn all the things that go into, into, that type of thing. So, yeah. the, wow. um, is, is A-Rod, I don't think he's doing Sunday Night Baseball anymore, is he? Um, I I'm not I think, it, I think sure. it changed last year. Well, um, I know, but, yeah, I know he was looking to 
by the Mets. Um, yeah, it, was, it, it didn't work out. Yeah, it didn't work out. Um, so I knew I knew that it was on hold at least during that time, but I don't know. But but a little tidbit: if when you're hearing a Rod do broadcast a game, doing color for a game, if you hear an inning where he doesn't talk much, that's because he's using the facilities because he had he has to use them a lot. Oh, okay. So we had to have a special, you know, kind of uh, way for him to get to the facilities in our office. When, yeah. Because when yeah. they're like, it's all the time. Everybody's like, all the time. The ESPN people tell you, he's always got to use it. Always got to use right. it. So He's well hydrated. If you, if you okay. ever not hear him for, you know, five minutes, it's because he's not in the booth. He's, okay. He's, you know, taking care of business. So, all right. Huh. So yeah. Well, I had A-Rod, A-Rod used our restroom in the uh, in the office. How about that? Wow. I had met J Lo one time before. She probably doesn't remember it. Uh, when uh, she did, she told me. She said, "Do you know Bobby Cunningham <laughs> said that he interned here in Williamsport in 2012?" I said, "Yeah, the coon dog, absolutely." So that's, uh, <laughs> she remembers. I met I met her. In passing, when I worked for American Idol for three days, um, when they were in Pittsburgh, and I was nice. I was in college, so that was interesting. Um, wow! So basically, it's like putting Major League Baseball on a minor league scale, um, more or less, and you know, yeah. kind of bringing players back to their roots. Um, I dig it. I love, I love it's it. cool. Yeah, it's one of the coolest things in the world. So it's 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 an awesome experience, and just overall, it's an awesome game. It's it's great to see our little park on national television. I barely recognize it. Yeah, uh, you know all the great things that that they do with the stadium, and uh, it's it is. I can't wait to get home after that game to watch that game. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I get home about midnight that night, and and uh, instantly. You know, go to the DVR and, and watch the pregame show at the very least. Sure. Uh, and then the rest of it, you know, the next night if if we don't have a game. So so it's pretty cool. Yeah. So you said you expanded the press box. Does that mean you guys are getting a video board? We are getting a video board, finally. Mm. Next, next year it's going to be, not for this year, uh, but yeah, for next year. And that's why... It, most of the reason why it was expanded, there'll be a new video board at, at the ballpark. Um, you know, MLB. We talk about all the things they do. They even put in a they put in a huge temporary video board. Yeah. For, that, for that game, it's it's uh, it's kind of overkill for that small stadium, but it's you know <laughs> it, it's gargantuan. It looks good on TV. TV. That's all. It looks matters. good on TV. That's right. Um, is your new video board going to be Dactronics? Do you know? It is okay. Yes. I may be able to at least, you know, give people, you know, a ten minute ten minute tutorial on how to work Great. that. We could we could use it. So we're you know, coming out of the dark ages. So. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean when I was in Delmarva my first year there, they got a brand new video board. It was installed I literally think the the day before opening night. Um and I was I turned into the guy. I'd never worked a video board before, but I turned into the video board guy because um, you know I I 
You made it work. Yeah, I made everything that went on the video board in Photoshop, and then I inputted it into the Dactronic system. So then I knew where everything was on all the screens and stuff like that. So I just turned into the video board guy. Um, so so yeah, I may be able to help you out with that. Cool. At least in a limited capacity, of course. Absolutely. But, um, so you know as well as I do, minor league baseball, everybody has to sell something. Um, you you got to earn your keep. Yep, and um, and you've had plenty of years of um, doing tickets, groups, sponsorship sales, um, and been pretty successful at it. I would say. I always ask my salespeople this: What's the number one secret to sales? A couple things, from my standpoint. First, know your product. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, don't. Don't sound dumb when you're talking about the product you're trying to sell mm-hmm. because people can sense that. Sure. And, and I don't want to buy something from somebody who doesn't even know, you know, about it. Yeah. And, and I could tell they're, you know, they're faking it. So know your product. Um, believe in your product. Right? Again, you can tell if somebody's, you know, half-assing it and they're not into it, you know, I mean, you, you need to, you need to really love your product. It's easy to love baseball. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's an easy sell for me. Right. <laughs> I know it and I love it. So, um, and be yourself unless you're a jerk, then don't be yourself. <laughs> be somebody else. You have but to be relatable. Yeah. You got to be relatable. And, mm-hmm. and you know, but hopefully you can you can be yourself because a lot of what you're selling is you. Yeah, you know you got to have a good product. You have to have a product that people want. But that doesn't make it automatic. Mm-hmm. You can kill the sale of something good, right? So you know, um, you're you're selling yourself as much as the the, the thing that you're selling. You know, yeah. we don't want to buy from somebody we don't like. Exactly. Or that gives us, you know, gives us a, a, a weird feeling or, you know, I don't, I just don't trust him. I like what he has and I, and I, and, and I may need it. I just, there's something, there's something about that mm-hmm. guy or that, or that woman. So, um, know your product, believe in your product, be yourself. Okay. All very true. Um, so I gotta ask. You've probably got. It. I don't. I don't know what your answer is going to be, but it's probably going to be wild. What's the craziest situation that's occurred during a game that you've had to assist with? Again, going back to what we talked about earlier, there's there's probably a lot I don't remember. <laughs> but how about <laughs> how about uh, an usher slash security person going on the field to get involved with the manager arguing with an umpire. That was my year. I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was. And I and I missed it because I was using the facilities. Wow. So, 
our manager coaching third base has a beef with the home plate umpire. And this may be, I'm sure, I'm, in fact, I'm sure this is the only time this has ever happened in baseball. <laughs> so our manager has a beef with the home plate umpire and he comes down. It was late in the game. Yeah. And I think it was a crappy game. Yeah. And it was during the week. The crowd wasn't big. So in the eighth inning or ninth inning, the crowd was even less. Sure. So manager comes down, starts arguing with the home plate umpire. Not crazy. It wasn't one of those, oh, you should have seen this last right. night. It was pretty normal. But you could hear it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there weren't 5,000 people in the park. Sure. So, especially the people on the third base side, they could hear it, and our manager was swearing. I don't know which specific explicit words he was using, <laughs> but he was swearing. With with him, it's hard to tell. I'm all the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the first base side, and I see our security person walking from his post, walking towards, you know, to be parallel with the manager and the umpire. Mm -hmm. And it caught my eye. And then he turns and starts to walk down the seats, down the aisle, towards the field. And then I froze. (laughs) I literally froze. (laughs) I said, Don's not going to go on the field. And then he, uh, we didn't have nets at that going all the way down at yeah. that time. He went over the, the wall, and now he's on the field. I'm like, Don is on the field. What is he doing? <laughs> Don would carry uh, a gun and a taser. He was a constable. Yeah. May he rest in peace. Oh, he passed? He did. Oh, a, a number of years ago. Wow. He he is now on the field and <laughs> minor league baseball and, and the low minors. Our GM Doug Estes is in the parking lot vacuuming with a shop vac. Shop vacs built in Williamsport. Oh yeah. They, they just closed but reopened. Yes. Back. Um Vacuuming glass out of a car that was hit with a baseball. Talk about service. <laughs> that is service. Wow. I don't know many service. GMs that would do that. Yeah. How about it? Wow. I'm frozen and saying, Don is going on the field. He is walking towards the umpire and the manager. Wow. Like he's going to break this up. Yeah. It's just a baseball argument. And he reaches. He starts to reach for his taser. (laughs) He didn't take it out. But he is at the ready. And that I got done. And and I'm like, uh, Don's on the field. uh, You know, why is he on the field? I I don't know. I can't tell you why. I (laughs) I don't know. And... So the, the argument stops. Yeah. Because they may get tased. Jeez. So 
the manager and the umpire just are going like, what the hell are you doing on the field? Dude? Yeah. And it was, it was a mess. That, that, by the next morning, Major League Baseball, the commissioner's office knew about it. There was a uh, umpire evaluator there in the crowd oh, evaluating gosh. the umpires. Yeah. And so they reported it. It went to Major League Baseball and then back down to our league president, who was calling first thing in the morning like, what the hell happened yeah. last night with the security guard? And you guys probably didn't have uh, video footage of it. No video footage. Wow. And it was like, man, we don't know, but, you know, um, he's no longer working for us. And, and I saw him the next day. I think when he came in to, you know, kind of plead his case, but, he, you know, Don, he, he can't be here anymore. Right. Um, I saw him as I was leaving the park to go run an errand or something. And I, I said, Don, why did you do that? Why did you go on the field? Mm-hmm. He said, Gabe, they were swearing, and there were kids nearby. Uh, and I said, Don, there was always swearing <laughs> in every argument. You've probably seen a hundred of them yeah. since you've been here in the last 15 years. Right. And I said, what made you think you could go on the field? He said, nobody ever told me I couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) I I remember, oh man, I, so like you said, it was, it was late in the game. So our promotions, uh, were all done for the evening and, um, I used the uh, same facilities that A Rod was using. Yeah, about that. Um, Pre A Rod, you man. used them. Woo. Um, so I feel special there. But um, and I came out, and you said you said you missed it, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, what did I miss? Like, you know, I look at the scoreboard, and it's still we're losing by by a lot to a little um and that was the theme for that year unfortunately um but and then you know all the other interns started talking about about it and i was like what happened and then you kind of filled me in and i was like i was gone for 10 minutes and that's what happened that had to be the most the most epic thing that happened all season our security guard almost tased our manager just for getting into a little rhubarb. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, it, it really was. You had to really see it. It <laughs> was it was amazing. Um, so you are in charge of scheduling a lot of the staff, um, especially the interns. Um, right. So what's the worst excuse that a game day staff member or intern <laughs> has ever used to call out of work? And it wasn't me, I promise. I, I, I don't, no, no, I don't think you ever, I don't know that you ever missed a day. I don't uh, think I did. For any reason, good, yeah. bad, or otherwise. Um, I don't, this, this, I don't think was your year. There, there was a game day intern who was, you know, he sucked. <laughs> I mean, he did. And, uh, 
it was usually better to have him not there. But at any rate, he called one day, probably it was late, and said he couldn't come in. And I was like, why? Because he was picking corn all day with his friends. And, uh, you know, he was too tired. Wow. Like, yeah, okay. Uh, that same kid, we, we, he ended up, I ended up telling him not to come back at a certain point. There wasn't, there wasn't many games left in the season, but Mm -hmm. it was just, it was enough. Like, like all the other interns, they all hated him. You know, it's (laughs) like, because, because of just how he was. Yeah. And, uh, so he had something else happened or he couldn't come. And I just said, just, man, just stop. We're done. We're done. (laughs) So that winter is a funny story. That winter I'm in McDonald's minding my own business. It was like mid afternoon or something. And I'm sitting in a booth and there's some college kids in the booth behind me. Mm -hmm. He was, he was in college locally. And I see him walking in. Like, oh, Lord. He didn't see me. But they're literally in the next booth. Yeah. Right behind me. He sits down and, and he's asked some sort of question of, of, like, somehow the summer came up. Or the crosscutters came up. One or the other. Okay. And he said, oh, man, I, I worked there this past summer, last summer as an intern. And, and my boss, he was a real asshole. and i just i just sat there and so i i had to contemplate do i turn around to bust them or do i just let it go and i just let it go uh but i thought it was just so funny and so appropriate uh that that he would do that and i would be there uh so at least you know when you called me a name you did it I mean, I didn't hear you. So, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sure you did, but you you, no. you had the, the gumption to do it, you know, in private. <laughs> Not with no. me right there. So, oh man. Uh, so that, that was kind of funny. I, I I always tell that story to people, and especially people that knew him and were around that year, and and yeah. uh, you know, they just roll their eyes. But, wow. Yeah, he was he was a winner, but we've had lots of winners. It, it happens. Um, my year was actually like really good. Um, Sarah, Sarah Campbell. Yep. Sarah's uh, great. Yeah. She, she went great things. Yeah. She went on to, um, the Roger Dean stadium in Florida. Um, she's pretty high up there. I think she was, she was on this podcast in the, in the early days. I heard it. I Uh, heard it. Okay. And then uh, Kyle Kyle Gleckler, um, yep, Port St. Lucie. Yeah, he's he's assistant GM for Port St. Lucie, and he was on an early episode of the podcast as well. Um, yep. So he's Heard that one as well. Yeah, he's he's doing well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, everybody else was was okay, um, but I mean, those you know, I had a pretty long career as far as MILB goes and Kyle and Sarah are still going at it. So yeah, shout out doing, to them. They're doing great. Real yeah. proud of them. 
proud of a lot of our of our interns who who've gone on to sports and, uh, and and done great things and far surpassed you know me and what we're doing in Williamsport and <laughs> and it's it's awesome so I love it and yeah and just like you were doing when when you were doing it and now I've branched out into other things and and uh, you know in your first few days with us I would have never thought that you know you'd have all this success but I was I was not a baseball you mind. Came together. Yeah, you came together. Yeah, I was not a baseball mind back then. Um, yeah. I was I was pretty blank slate as far as baseball went, but the multimedia side was was more my my speed. Um, right. But but yeah, I wouldn't take take back that summer for anything. I learned so much um, in such a little amount of time. Um, and then it allowed me to, to go and see other things and, um, the, you know, meet a lot of great people. And, um, you know, quite honestly, I miss working in baseball. Um, quite frankly, the, the hours and the paycheck just didn't add up anymore. Could, couldn't make it work anymore. Um, so, so I got out of it, but I always thought that the people that work in minor league baseball, should have a platform to um you know to voice their opinions and their stories and there was not a platform or there was not an avenue for that at that time when I got out of baseball um so so that's what this is designed for is to give people like like you and Kyle and Sarah um and many others a, a voice and a, a place to um tell their stories great and, and you're doing a great job with it. I'm, you know, uh, so proud of you for even, you know, having the the wherewithal and, and the idea to start it and, and to follow through and to do it. And here you are uh, pushing 60 shows. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's great. I, I love to see, you know, our, our, our former interns and, and now friends and, and colleagues, um, you know, doing well. Uh, having fun and, and doing things that that they love, so you're doing a great job. Thank you. Yeah, you're one of the first people I I told this idea to, um, and you and you said, "Hey, if you're gonna have more free time, um, you you are gonna get out of baseball, then then go for it." So, um, I've I've always trusted your your opinion on on professional and personal matters for 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 that. Um, so thank you so much for, for being that for me and being there. Um, so where can, I know you're kind of a private guy. You're not really on social media that much. Um, personally, personally, but, but, uh, definitely the cross cutters. Yeah. So where can the listeners find you or the cutters on social media? Yeah. So, you know, on Twitter, at Crosscutters, um, on Facebook and, and Instagram, uh, at Williamsport Crosscutters. So check it out. Uh, you'll see Rashawn, um, you know, doing a lot of videos on, on Facebook. Uh, you know, check them out and, and more to come. So, and you can check out Gabe's Game Vault too and see all the back, uh, back videos from, from the last year. Uh, if, if you're into sports games at all, you'll enjoy it. Awesome. And so you've listened to a couple episodes, it sounds like. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Why wouldn't I? 
<laughs> you're, you know, you're my friend and, and colleague and former intern. So, uh, absolutely I have. Well, thank you for the support. So, you know that I end the episode with the same question every time. And, um, you can, you can find all of these walk-up songs. There's a Spotify playlist. Um, just, uh, search pulling tarp walk-up playlist and, um, it's on there. What has been your favorite walk-up or warm-up song in your baseball career, and whose was it? Well, I'm going to deviate only slightly. Okay. From the best one to the worst one. All right. I love it. Okay? Yeah. This was the worst. It was a walk-out song. It was a pitcher's song. Okay. A relief pitcher. Uh, I, I think he had it. I don't know if he had it in... 02 or 03, he was with us both years. Uh, just a pathetic song to use for a relief pitcher coming in. And he was the closer. <laughs> okay? John Schneider, he was very mediocre in 02. He was very good in 03. Okay. Um, Drift Away, the old Dobie Gray song, Drift Away. But I th- I'm pretty sure it was the Uncle Cracker version. Okay. Slowest ever song <laughs> to play when here comes the reliever for the ninth inning to close it. And it's drift away. And it just will put you to sleep wow. at the end of a game. <laughs> horrid. Horrid. That's so funny. So whenever I hear drift away, I, I think of that and think of how much it could bring a crowd down <laughs> when we're winning the game and we're ready to close it out. And here comes our closer and boom, it's like you hit a brick wall. <laughs> so that's the worst walk up, walk out, walk whatever song that, that I can remember. It's amazing. Love yeah. it. All right. That's the one. Well, Put it on the playlist. Yep. I'm going to add it to the playlist uh, when I'm editing. Um, so, yeah, Gabe, just thank you so much. Um, this was long overdue. Um, it's always great catching up with you. Of course, when I'm back in Williamsport, which doesn't happen as often as I'd like it to, um, we'll grab lunch, beers, Absolutely. whatever. Um, but thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening to to catch up with me and chat with me. Uh, for the Pulling Tart Podcast. Hey, if you made it through this whole podcast, this long podcast, you know, send a message so that so that Bobby knows that you made it to the end of this this so long. We, I I probably bored people to death. No, so we'll see who who stuck it out and you know made it to the end. Perfect. Thanks, Bobby. It was great. Yeah, thank you so much, Gabe. Today I'm more confused Yet I look for the light through the pouring rain You know that's a game that I hate to lose And I'm feeling the strain Always yeah. Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll 
You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.